0: Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update. Mr. Honeline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, thank you. These uh,
1: nice, quiet weeks, uneventful as they are.
0: Yeah, I mean, what what on earth has happened since the last time we spoke, after all?
1: It's hard to tell. remember when the last time we speak anymore, what day it is or what week or month, but yeah. the events are more than clear.
0: Uh, malcolm there'll be a lot of sensitive discussion i'm sure in this segment and um uh I, many people of course uh, uh caution uh people about what to say and what not to say publicly and if there is something that you feel we shouldn't discuss publicly obviously you'll you'll let us know I, is there any legitimate reason keeping in mind their relationship quote unquote with the palestinian cause and their anti-israel rhetoric is there any justification for a supporter of Israel to be gathering and marching with members of groups that are marching under the banner of Black
1: Lives Matter? Well, I think that uh, there is reason for people who, who to give expression to their concern and to their revulsion about what, what happened. Um... It, we don't make common cause with groups that are openly anti Semitic or, or anti Israel. Um, and I think it's a, it's a judgment call. It depends on the particular circumstances about how, you know, it's uh, the visuals of it, the content of it. I think it's appropriate for people to give expression, to, talk, to speak against racism, any kind of bigotry, and especially anti Semitism. You notice that, that in many places it doesn't even come up. Uh, when we know that there's been a surge in anti-Semitic behavior, and sometimes uh, some of those very groups are participating in these other events, but um, you know, I think that that we we have our own decisions to make, and we decide we're not going to be dictated to because of the presence of others about whether where we can go and what we can do. Uh, I think there's a lot of introspection and retrospection that will that should follow this, not for the Jewish community per se, but for Everyone about the things that happened. Some of them too mind-boggling to consider. The looting that took place here in New York, and the clear evidence—it seems that this is organized. That there is um, that the, the looting wasn't just haphazard. I saw a video late last night that somebody sent from a taken from a high apartment where you can see how organized it was. How they blocked off the street. They did the looting. A uh, Cadillac. Cadillac Escalade comes to the middle block. Everybody seems to operate around it. And then the the police coming, and finally they give the word. They very slowly get together. They release the blockade on the block and drive off almost in formation. So there there are many things here that have to be looked at. The breakdown of law and order is never in our interest. Uh, A lack of respect for law enforcement is not in our interest. The capitulation by law enforcement is not in our interest. I think there, there are, um, you know, so many aspects, it's, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around all that's happened. If somebody would have predicted, and if you remember, I have warned about the social eruptions that would come out of this dangerous cocktail of the COVID, the unemployment, the, the lockdown for 10 weeks, the frustration that people feel, the fact that all well, the summer programs seem to be disappearing, camps, jobs. Um, none of which justify the looting, but the I think that there was a frustration and it just needed uh, something to ignite it, and and this obviously did. Um,
0: what you just described, based on the video you saw, how you described it to us, it does sound like the term terrorist uh, uh, activity. Uh, could apply to that if it was as organized as that, it really it, it is a decent comparison when one says that it was as if a terror group was taking over new york
1: This certainly was domestic terrorism, and you know the governor had introduced this concept months ago uh, to deal with uh, hate crimes. And I think that, that it works both ways. And the, uh, you know, whether the tactics used by law enforcement, police, the other judgments that were made, I think will come under review and there have to be a, a assessments of that as well. That the, you know, the, the answer is not that some, they want to defund police departments and they want to cut the funding. I mean, it's just, there's not rational responses to what. What what took place? There are yeah. questions about why the police didn't didn't respond more, and and there were you know reports of you know bricks being uh, pre-located at different sites. Uh, I'm sure that these things are being investigated, but uh, we have to see whether they will yield results. Will it be real prosecution? The fact that you have revolving door justice with the bail reform that people seven hundred people are arrested and and then they walk out you know in an hour, two hours, three hours at once, they're processed. They get out and they can go back right back to what they were doing. This is, you know, it's almost irrational in some cases, but it has to be. It it, it has to be um, viewed, examined, and 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 the excesses of police have to be examined as well.
0: Uh, one of the mistakes, I, I think one would call it a mistake, looking back at the Crown Heights riots was the opportunity given by government officials for people to vent. Do you think the same mistake was made again by government officials this time?
1: I'm not enough of an expert on any of these topics to, to, to you know, uh, assess at this point. Either I know what the optics are. I know what we've seen, and I see what concerns me very greatly is the undermining of confidence in living in New York City or other urban areas. Uh, I see it expressed, even members of my own family, others. Uh, I think the, the, um, how, how this will impact relationships in some respects uh, and positively, I saw the the video from the Farakaway demonstration where the leaders of the, from the black community got up and thanked the members of the Jewish community for coming out and saying we have to be there. There are people here who didn't, and specifically thanked, and it was peaceful. So I think where you know there was the preemption, and where there was uh, the kind of coordination, cooperation, and again the exploiters, and where police. Have to have a full presence. They have to be be free to act within legitimate legal grounds. That the uh, you know the vast vast ninety five percent, ninety nine percent, ninety two percent of the people who came came out of legitimate motivations. It's a question of how young people view society, how they how they see the future. With what what. The standards are for, for society. Jews need law and order. We, live it, we, we need the rule of law. We need the political center And this coming in a politically charged year, coming after the COVID ramifications and the uncertainties that it brought and, ha- and, and, and still brings because people don't know second wave, third wave, when they will get back to work. The fact that people you know, are, are, have been at home with, with no outlets for all of this time it was inevitable that there would be this explosion. And the, the question is, can you put the, the genie back in the bottle? Can you try to restore order? Will there be uh, real lessons learned about how you prevent this? Not just how you address some of the root causes, but how you prevent the kind of violence which uh, coming after the economic losses, you think about how much money. I mean, I know people who own businesses. I know how uh, real estate people are, are suffering and this will affect all aspects, the tax base. It'll affect investment in our city. It will affect the ability of people to give charity. It'll affect the ability to rebuild, uh, you know, stuff that people have to think about.
0: Um, what do you think of the perception uh, or the, for some reality, that the President Trump is responsible for a lot of the atmosphere uh, that we've seen in the United States over the last 10 days?
1: As I said, it's a politically charged year, and the president, you know, is a lightning rod. But to to say that he's responsible, uh, you know, sometimes words of, but but from both sides, you know, uh, exacerbate tensions. We see it even from athletic figures who make comments, and uh, they have to backtrack and apologize. But everything becomes then uh, um, a further exacerbation of the situation. Uh, I don't want to discuss each individual person, but there's a lot of blame to go around, and, and there has to be a sense, but but I think also the the breakdown of law and order has to be of concern, especially minorities, because they're the victims of most, you know, it's a black-on-black crime, and black, uh, you know, uh, of um, killings and things that they, they want to see and should want to see a strong police force that can act responsibly against uh, the crimes. And you think about the police who are putting their lives on the line—they go out there and they say, "This is this is what we face." Why why would they do it? Uh, back
0: to my original question. Th- therefore, would it be would it be accurate to say? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Would it be accurate to say that sometimes Black Lives Matter is a statement, and and one could understand when any, that anybody might want to be under that banner because obviously we want to show solidarity with those who are being mistreated or whatever the perception might be whatever the reality is and sometimes it's a movement and when it's a movement uh then we have to take much more seriously the relationship between that group and its leadership and those who are anti-israel
1: yes and i think that there well first of all there's a history of exploitation by intersectionality meaning that they link up, uh, we saw it in Ferguson, we saw it in many other places where all of a sudden, you know, Free Palestine and, and linking uh, the training, as we saw this time, much more uh, widespread, the linking of the training, some police forces who visit Israel and get anti-terrorism training to these tactics and, and saying that they were equivalent. And, and one major figure in L.A., I remember, put out a cartoon pretty early on uh, showing an, an Israeli... Um, uh, officer with his neck on a Palestinian, and the, and the police, American policeman with his neck on a demonstrator or something, and or on or, uh, Mr. Floyd. They um, uh, so that they, they this this was almost immediate, and you saw it in some places where anti-Semitic signs, anti-Semitic manifestations. Uh, LA, elsewhere, uh, more visible, but happening in many parts of the country, according to reports that we have. Um, it's it, they will immediately rise to exploit these situations, and it's. Uh, and, and I agree that we have to be careful who we who we support, who we are pictured with it. But it shouldn't be they who dictate whether we have the right for expression. I also think that all lives matter, and that you know one has to look at the real statistics, even about police. Uh, violence against individuals, the fact is that they kill more white people than black people, and that the the real numbers indicate a different story and that should be shared with uh, with the minority communities of all kinds and and to to try to create a sense of reality and, and to look where crime comes from, and that is sometimes the leadership of those communities has to address those things very directly and and seriously as, as I think we all. Should look at our own communities and assess what it is we should be doing better and more. Um, they're not all equivalent, and I think that you know the the dismissal of the serious aspects of this is only long term more detrimental, especially to minorities, um, if they, if we don't try to stop it and resolve it. And I'm not saying it's in the hands of all the, the individuals. And again, the, the vast majority of people in every community are you know want want to have peace and, and order, want to see their kids grow up safe. You hear black people interviewed who who are so concerned about when their kids have to go out to school or stuff, so it's you know it, it's too easy for people to box all these issues in, and again I'm not an expert in this issue. Um, I, I follow it because we live it, we're all being impacted by it, and we've been impacted by it for a long time. It's time to rebuild some of the coalitions, it's time for us to, to see uh, realistic approaches, um, to see what, what works, what doesn't work, and how you deal with these circumstances, because it will arise again inevitably.
0: Um, we know that uh, in other countries, believe it or not, in other countries um, uh, there were demonstrations, some of them massive, um, about what was going on in the United States. Do we know if there were any rallies or demonstrations in Israel revolving around this topic?
1: There were. It was in Tel Aviv, I know, uh, a demonstration. And uh, so, for one, people will exploit this, not, not in the Israel case so much, but in other places, um, will exploit it for people who have anti-American agendas or domestic political agendas that they can give expression to by uh, joining demonstration. There are people who, who are legitimately outraged by that picture. And I think everybody was yeah, the, about uh, what, what occurred. Of course. Um, and so they, they give it. But I think in some of the European countries, this was an opportunity to, to strike the United States at, or President Trump or anything else that they wanted to. Um, but, yes, there, was, uh, there were demonstrations that weren't widespread. But I think you know, Israelis have always demonstrated a sensitivity in this area.
0: And, and in certain ways, when it comes to the sensitivity issue and, and simply showing that brotherhood, so to speak, when the JCRC postpones its online virtual Celebrate Israel celebration, which we did with ours, but obviously I'm sure they were under a lot more pressure than we were to do so, I mean, I, I would assume you support things like that. We should, as a community, show love and brotherhood and solidarity and understanding when there's a sensitive time going on in another community. So within reason, I would guess you'd agree with that, right?
1: Yes, and I think it, you know it certainly would have been impacted by their the participation would have been impacted. People diverted, and and the attention is diverted, and right. you know you know you show sensitivity as you would expect others to show sensitivity um, to concerns of the Jewish community.
0: Right, understood. Um, does the leadership of New York City and New York State owe an apology? to the orthodox community of New York because of how they've enforced social distancing this week uh, in many areas of the noticeably Jewish community, while uh, obviously tens of thousands gather in many parts of the city without any enforcement in that regard?
1: Yeah, uh, again, I'm uh, it's not something that follows closely as so I do the developments that we've seen in Israel, Turkey, Iran, around Jerusalem, etc. this week, but... Um, there certainly appears to be a disparity. And the question is not apologies. The question is well, how does this circumstance arise that people are chased out of a school, uh, park or schoolyard, and yet you can have these mass gatherings with no enforcement? Um, I think that doesn't exculpate some of the people in, in the Orthodox Jewish community, or I wouldn't even say Orthodox, in anywhere, of every community, because it wasn't just Jews, it wasn't just others. They focused on it. The media certainly exploits anything in the Orthodox community. At a time when there weren't police you know, going after looters and stuff, we, we saw a row of uh, cars going through a Borough Park telling people to put on masks and you know close their stores. They should have masks on. And it doesn't, as I said, exculpate those who did not and who don't abide by the rulings and the social distancing and all of these other things. It's not an excuse, but certainly the media depictions were, were biased, were, uh, uh, you know, slanted. it going from the beginning of, of the, this crisis, again, I, th- I think that there's a lot of criticism for uh, people in the community who did not abide by the rules. Um, but the disparity became more apparent this week, I think.
0: It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, on the web, at NahumSiegel.com, and the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Homeline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Were you surprised that APAC uh, canceled their conference ten months in advance?
1: Uh, I was surprised, but I understand the reasoning. And, you know, people come up with all sorts of excuses which are not true. I, am, I know the circumstances and the... Um, this is a, a major gathering, something to which many thousands, 18,000 people last year, you know, look forward to all year, and it's a unique kind of gathering. But for them, they would have to make guarantees and it's not just their decision. It's the hotels who are not ready to commit. It's the convention center that is not ready to commit. And what if they say, okay, you have to have social distancing, one person every three seats. You cannot make a go with this. It costs millions and millions of dollars to right. stage this. So I think that they made a rational you know, decision based on the realities. That's Boy, all. do we
0: need a widely used vaccine, effective widely used vaccine, very soon.
1: Yes, there are many things coming, many treatments that are in the works. We have to see which ones will work, but God willing, one of them will emerge soon. Um,
0: Recent Israeli airstrikes in Syria, what can you tell us?
1: So Israel continues to strike against the movement of Iranian weaponry being supplied to Hezbollah and to Iranian militias, inside um, inside Syria we've seen so many developments and unfortunately because of the um, the developments in in our own country um, Turkey's involvement in Libya the disruptions in Libya the, the conflict the fact that uh, the uh, government forces drove out general Hafter tri- troops from Tripoli who were backed by the UAE, uh, Egypt, and Russia, and Turkish-backed uh, troops were... were uh, and and uh, Russia sent more planes, six planes, to, to uh, Libya. They were bringing mercenaries from Syria, both from Homs and from other areas now, and the Turks are doing the same thing, flying in volunteers and people, and by boat bringing uh, weapons uh, uh, to Libya. So and again, as I said, there's very little uh, real attention. Um, but the the um, there have been brash announcements by General Hoftar and by others. And his, he he left for Moscow and came back. And there was a, the brokered agreements are all being uh, sabotaged, as are the agreements that were reached in Syria and Dara and else the the deal between the, the Syrians, the Russians, the. Uh, and the uh, Turks, and it's all breaking down. We have seen Ur- Russia work with Iran and Turkey, where they it helps them, but in most places, all of them are in conflict with uh, uh, with one another. And uh, as I said, the Libyan Prime Minister w- was in Turkey. Um, we see the connections that the, uh, the the expansion of the activity. So it's there's a universal development of Iran, despite its tremendous economic restrictions, still investing in the in the supply and resupply of uh, terrorist groups. We know that amongst the, the people they're recruiting from for Libya are Palestinian Islamic Jihad inside Syria, and uh, that obviously has some implications of people being trained, weapons uh, movement, etc. Um, we know that, uh, you know, British mercenaries were offered $150,000 to fly helicopters for General Haftar against uh, the Turkish ships weapons. And uh, after four days, they fled to Malta. Oh, yeah. So we see, we also see the Turkish-backed Syrian militias targeting the Kurds in Afrin and other areas, an area that was 90 percent Kurdish is today less than 30 percent as they resettle uh, other refugees in this area. Uh, I'm giving you these points because to understand how dynamic the situation is and that while we're all focused uh, on the situation here at home... We see the the uh, uh, enormous number of things that are, are happening. Israel launched, by the way, a new very successful launch of a sea to, to land and uh, land to land uh, ground to ground uh, new ballistic missile that they developed for short range, about two hundred and sixty miles, but very effective. Uh, again, another achievement that that went more or less uh, more or less unnoticed. We have in Syria uh, economic. Um, the warfare going on between Assad and his cousin, Mahlouf, whose home I was actually in, in Damascus. Um, But it's an indication of how bad the economic situation there is, as it is in Iran, and even in in Turkey, which continues to support uh, Hamas, continues to host them. Erdogan, by the way, is building, and, and I know this is ranging over an area, but it's things we haven't had a chance to discuss. What's happening in Jerusalem, where the Turks are going to build a new center, are building a new center of a build, in the building that they bought near the Kotel, a, uh, 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 an Islamic center. And they are investing tens of millions of dollars, Erdogan, to expand Turkish influence there. And as he told me personally, you know, you can't be the caliph if you don't have Jerusalem. At the same time, Israel's negotiating with Saudi Arabia to give them a say in the Wakf, which is control of the top of the Harabayat. Um, something that Jordan and everybody else rejected until now. They've, it's something that the Saudis wanted, but they they denied it. Now the Jordanians are appear to be open and these secret negotiations are going on Why because w- this is a way to counter the Turkish influence. Oh, wow. So in other, the, words, in other and,
0: words, Jordan feels they need Saudi Arabia to fend off Turkey.
1: Right, but he, they want to protect their special status on, on the Temple Mount in but at the same time, something oh. they rejected... All, all along is now being um, negotiated. And the uh, you know, we know that, uh, for instance, Turkey has provided money to shuttle tens of thousands of Arabs from the Galil to visit the Alaska Mosque. You know, again, not something that necessarily gets... Um, a lot of attention, uh, uh, attention or focus uh, neither in Israel nor here, but this attempt to increase their influence in buying properties and giving money. Uh, the, you know the center will host Arab tourists and uh, has links to Muslim Brotherhood, uh, as you know, Erdogan is a Muslim Brotherhood supporter and, and is exporting this ideology and while Hamad, I just will say that we see their growing activities in Europe. We, there's a political party in Sweden called Nyans, uh, which means nuance. And it's run by a guy whose father was the mayor of, uh, of, uh, in Turkey, of a city from which the vast majority of people have now emigrated to Turkey. And he was a member of a, more of a centrist left party and now founded his own, which is based on the same Islamist uh, principles. By the way, you see him in Denmark, we see him in other countries in, in Europe and um and erdogan is using this because he wants to be able to control the large turkish diaspora that is uh, that is present in europe we saw those manifestations in germany over the years and we see it um, now in scandinavia and other places uh um, you know people are beginning to t- take some notice of it but um the rise of Islamist parties supporting uh, Islamic legal law, Sharia law, in secular state law, and the Muslim Brotherhood is trying to spread this in Europe. And we see it mostly in the uh, Muslim Brotherhood-funded uh, Federation of Islamic Organizations in Europe. I, I won't go into all the details about it, but it's a heads-up that people you know, look at what's, what's happening when we're looking the other way.
0: I'm not trying to be funny when I ask this, but the list you just went through, uh, Libya, Iran, Syria, Turkey, etc., is Washington aware of all these things you just mentioned?
1: So, yes, and the United States has spoken out on, on a lot of these issues, and Secretary Pompeo, you know, has expressed himself, certainly, the United States is not playing a key role in Libya. Um, uh, but the but in all these other circumstances, you know that that the United States, by the way, has been terrific on the ICC, the International Criminal Court. Another issue we didn't even raise, but w- which could be very significant. Um, and they are very concerned. They they have criticized the Russian bringing the planes to to, to Libya. They're certainly concerned about the Turkey's role there. Um, and the the instability that is coming out of it, and the growing involvement of uh, Russia in the region. This is a, a foothold that the Tsarists always wanted to to break the, um, the through the soft underbelly, which was Turkey into the Middle East. The, the, and there were other revelations. In Damascus, there's a place called the Glass House, which is right near the airport in a mysterious building that tens of thousands of people passed every day. But it turns out that it is the Islamic Revolutionary Guard's most critical, one of their most critical presence in Syria. It's an intelligence headquarters, which is, um, where you have malicious commanders, IRGC officials, uh, passing through, and it's... Um, and, and it is the equivalent to what they call the, to the White House. Again, something that gets revealed, but almost no uh, serious attention. I assure you, Israel knows about it. Israel, and going back to your original question, mm-hmm. that Israel is paying attention, as is the United States, to, to some of this. But, you know, we, we still create sometimes the impression that America withdraws. When America withdraws, others step in to, to fill the void.
0: Uh, What could you tell us as July 1st approaches? uh, What's the latest on annexation?
1: So I, I don't think annexation is a good word to use. We don't know what it will be. And, you know, the mapping hasn't been finished, other things. So a lot of people are jumping to conclusions, which I don't think are warranted yet by the facts. There's obviously a lot of support. There's a lot of opposition from the right, from the left, to Netanyahu's proposal to the to the deal of the century, uh, from the right because it creates a Palestinian state would, would limit, uh, they say, uh, the, the settlement expansion. Uh, from the left because uh, of, of the opposite reasons, and um, and of course Europeans and others have jumped on the bandwagon. There have been many threats against Israel about cutting off ties or assistance programs or other things. Uh, I think it's something that has to be thought through very carefully. But there is a consensus, clearly, when it comes to the Jordan Valley, for instance. I remember Rabin t- talking to me about it. I got alone had it in the alone plan. It's critical to Jordan security, Israel security. The question is how you do it, the sensitivity. you got to think about um, the ramifications. Jordan has said it will lead to an eruption and break their ties. PA has already severed cooperation. Um, uh, although I assume that some is still going on. But but the truth is that in this instance, there really is a severing of a lot of the cooperation, but they will pay the price for it. They need the Israeli cooperation and security uh, assistance. So the rejectionist uh, Palestinians continue in the same way that they always have, turning down every opportunity rather than negotiating and engaging and working out a deal. I think there are a lot of misunderstandings, This could be application of Israeli law. The question is, is it an application of sovereignty? Annexation has such negative connotations, even though nobody defines it uh, specifically what what it would mean. So I think people should wait. Let's see what happens with the mapping and the other preparatory steps. There are reports that Washington wants this to slow down a little bit. Uh, I don't know that that's true, but the... um, but the PA is limited now also in its operations in Yudah and Shomron uh, because it, it lost the ability to operate in more than two thirds of the West Bank when they ended the security cooperation.
0: In regard to COVID 19, did Israel have a rough week?
1: Uh, Israel had a tougher week because there were a number of new cases specifically linked to some of the schools. There was an upsurge of 120 new cases, I think, on Wednesday. I've not heard about uh, yesterday but Israel moves quickly. They isolate the areas when they, and they're able to target them with the uh, monitoring systems that they have in place to be able to see who is interacted with whom. Uh, there were, I think, 15 schools that were closed down on, on Thursday. Uh, you know, teachers get affected, students get affected. So yes, there's been a, a bit of an uptick, but they are continuing to open up all the businesses and, and uh, life. I think for most people, it has come back to normal.
0: Whatever date we thought we'd be traveling or be able to travel to Israel, that date is likely now postponed a bit, no?
1: Right. So people call me all the time about it, and unfortunately there are cases of emergencies. But the, the fact is that it's still July 14th is when the date that was set that foreigners could come. I think it is likely that that will be put back. Um, many of the airlines are, are, will be flying uh, over the summer. American, I think, announced that there will be over 50% of their flights uh and but the foreign flights will be much less and it's difficult because when you can only put you know let's say 3 people in a row that would normally have 5 uh the economics of this uh, also are of concern and we have to see whether there will be bumps whether there will be resurgence and you don't want to create a circumstance that all of a sudden in September Rosh Hashanah kipper sukos that that we will have a, another round and um uh, so i think i hope that there'll be progress on prevention is certainly is much greater detection we know that the situation in our hospitals has here have changed has changed dramatically right. people are aware but people should not let their guard down when you people tell me all the time oh i have the antibodies here yeah, but the mask is not to protect you it's to protect other people from right. you so be concerned don't don't take the risk that you could be put somebody's life in danger wear the masks Wash your hands i mean what is it that we're asking people to do It's nothing that that demanding that they shouldn't be able to comply.
0: Uh, I would assume Elliot Engel is on the list. Anybody else who are friends of Israel in the House and Senate that you're now concerned about?
1: Uh, yeah, there are a few, but Elliot, I would say, is at the top of the list because now the other candidates have dropped out, and there's one who's backed by AOC who has um, uh, who has talked about punishing Israel for its movement in terms of conditioning aid. Uh, it does come from, from uh, a rather extreme position. He's, um, but the, the good news this week we saw Steve King and Valerie Plain lost both, to, both expressed the, had expressions that were um, troubling and um, you know the, we, we, it's, I think it's totally unpredictable about what this political season is going to lead to, especially after what the impact of COVID will be of COVID will be, and the impact of the, of the uprising during the week, the demonstrations, the uh, violence that people saw in the, and even in those places where it didn't occur, people, it raises their sensitivities to fewer levels and then people can vote in ways that are not predictable. So it's, um, I think it's going to be a very tumultuous political year and it means that everybody should be registered there's a primary in new york you can do it by mail you don't even have to leave your house you don't have to do anything it's really imperative people register and be there to vote
0: and you'd include by the way even if it is a uh, oh actually i guess it's too late for that right one can't now uh, register to vote in the in the primary right the primary in new york in new york at least in new york i think this is another few days if i'm not mistaken
1: Yes, but yeah. I think that they, that they sent out um, registration forms right. or ballots. Right. Maybe it was the ballots that they, uh, that they sent out. But it doesn't matter. If you're not registered, register today. Don't put it off. Don't say you'll do it tomorrow because then you're not going to do it. And then comes November, you won't be able to vote. And, you know, we have critical elections, even in the New York area. There yeah. are people running who should be getting support. And, you know, if we, if we leave it to others, then don't complain about the results. We're living through interesting times, Mr. Holmline, wouldn't you say? It is a Chinese uh, curse. We live in interesting times, and unfortunately it's being overdone in this phonemic and epidemic and and whatever. Um, But maybe people will learn the lessons. I think there are good things that could come out of all of this in the Jewish community, for one thing. I think things we took for granted for so long will be less so especially the ability to visit Israel and go to Jerusalem and all the things that we do so blithely and automatically. But also, I think a greater sense of community, that it's things that we took for granted, but people miss their shuls, their schools, the institutions, the interaction, uh, and the sense of community. And after this, the community will need people more than ever, but people will need community more than ever. And and that's what the sense of our and the amazing chesed, amazing, and all the heroes from the medical workers to to Mads to to, Masbiyah, to, 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 uh, to uh, Med Council, the Federation, so all up and down the line, the way people have responded, the generosity, the uh, tremendous sacrifices that, that uh, people made, especially those engaged in the chesed shalemes, it's unbelievable. And the people being fed until today. Who otherwise would have been in dire straits. So, and our elected officials who fought for their aid and have been out there working to protect the interests of the community, all of those are things that we take for granted. You know, we're ready to criticize when we don't like something that people do, but this is a time when we should be reflecting and thanking them for what
0: they do. No question about it. I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak again next week.
1: God willing, be well.
0: Malcolm homeline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JMAM. And Malcolm just said something that really might explain why so many people have, thank God, up until this point, responded to our fundraiser. We need community now more than ever. We are going to be reminded how important our day schools are, and hopefully that will help our day schools survive as people consider how important it is to support them. We're going to understand how important our synagogues are. Hopefully people will step up and support them. We've been a, a source and sense of community for a long, long time, three and a half decades, but never more than now. Those of you who want to salute the sense of community that we're giving the world Jewish community, but obviously specifically those in this country, in this area, uh, we ask you to give to our 2020 fundraiser and be as generous as possible. FJBunity.org, FJBunity.org. You could also send a check to us and help keep us going. I have explained more than once this week that there are essentially five ways that we get support for this network and this show, and aside from direct fundraising, almost all the others are completely gone right now. Sponsored shows, travel that we do with the uh, sponsored shows, special projects, events. So please give what you can and keep us going. fjbunity.org and you can certainly go to or you can certainly write a check, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting and mail it to our address 551 Grand Street. Suite 3, New York City, 10002. Again, that's uh, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. 551 Grand Street, Suite number 3, New York City, 10002. And we thank you.